again, what I, I is was, the Bronx rocks? Yeah, yeah. I was kind of just sort of. I just woke him up it. half it an hour ago. How much detail like, you want. I'm like, wake you up! Know, you have an interview in 30 minutes. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I, I'm gonna have a day off from school. <laughs> That's a great question. Community engagement. Okay. If you back up a little, mm-hmm. I'm a massage therapist by trade. Nice. Okay. I've been living in Bronx for 11 years. I still get. You live in the Bronx. Is it safe? Yeah, I know. Always, always. Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding me? But in their defense, when I was offered to come to the Bronx to look at a place to live, I was like, Bronx? Right. I'm not coming to the Bronx, but I came to the Bronx 11 years ago. And I love, I decided to buy, I love my area in High Bridge, opposite uh, Franz Siegel Park, right across from the Bronx Supreme Courthouse, 161st Street. So that's where I grew up. I was born and raised on 161 in Grand Concourse. Beautiful. That's a beautiful area. It's yes. just majestic to me. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be called the Park Avenue of the, of the Bronx. It was, the with day. the hotel that was then turned into a senior center. Yes. Um, celebrities, Marilyn Monroe, um, all of the people from the silver screen, they would take a trip up to the Bronx to relax at this beautiful, luxurious hotel outside of Yankee Stadium. I was about to say Marilyn Monroe, Joe DiMaggio, don't surprise me. <laughs> yes. But. So, I was thinking, okay, I need a backup plan for me when I get old and that's never gonna happen yeah. <laughs> so i was inspired by this book i read it was given to me by a good client of mine um it's called start something that matters by blake yeah. mykoski he's the guy that invented tom's shoes the oh, premise great. of which is for every pair he sold he would donate a pair to someone in need mm-hmm. so i was like okay i could do that let's think of something where i could give back to the community okay the bronx to Erase some negative stereotypes. Improve, lift the image of the Bronx. Make people feel proud about, pride, proud about their borough. Now the logo. I love New York. I love New York logo. Yeah. yeah. Simple, pra- effective, strong. It was designed by Milton Glasser, born in the Bronx in 1929. Really. Okay. Wow. Now that's a powerful logo in inspiring pride city in our state. I thought I could create something similar for the Bronx. Okay, create some apparel and get people feeling good about it. And then with part of those proceeds, I would give back to programs in the Bronx. Cool. However, the community service part took off. Right. There's yep. no way there's no, there's no way to be part of the Bronx to live here yeah. and not fall in love with the space and the people. Correct. And yeah. want to serve them. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I found even I consider myself an outsider. It's like I'm from two hours up. I'm from the mountains. I'm from like two hours up north. And yeah, um, I guess I guess you should introduce yourself. We yeah. never did introduce. No. no. Uh, but anyway, so um, but anyway, I'm Christian Garcia. Uh, I'm from upstate New York, Saratoga Springs specifically. I don't know if you've ever been there. No. It's lovely. We have the horse track. I'm sure it's beautiful. So and why are you on Radio Free Stuff Bronx? Because I woke up like 15 minutes ago and it was like time to go. Christian's um, <laughs> like Christian's basically a cousin in the way that. Latino families just kind of like attached to each other yeah, and so somehow I have like 40 aunts but my grandmother only had one daughter you oh, know it's, it's <laughs> so he's pretty much a cousin and he crashes at my house during the week so that he can go to Columbia for journalism slash creative writing yeah no I'm not from here sorry guys I apologize last sir G-L-A-S-E-R mm-hmm. born in 1929 in the Bronx fantastic 
designer, creator of the I Love New York logo. So you wanted to create that sense of um, identity in terms of a logo for Correct. the Bronx. For people to feel pride in their borough, feel proud of being in the Bronx, not, oh, you're from the Bronx, which right. a lot of outsiders are like, oh, you live in the Bronx. No, yeah, I live in the Bronx. It's cool. Totally. Yeah, no, when I meet new people and I tell them where I'm from or where I'm living, rather, while I'm here, and they're just kind of shocked. They're like, oh, isn't that a bad area? It's really not. Like, I walk down the street at 2 a.m. if I wanted to, and everything's fine. I don't understand why that connotation, I guess, happened. I get why I used to, but it's been, what, you know, you've been, again, like you said, you're here 11 years. Yeah. None of that's really ever caught up. So yet. build it's pride in our borough. Mm -hmm. No, this is a powerful logo with the lightning bolt that runs through it. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, and kind of giving uh, the same power that people in Manhattan have. Exactly. Back to people in the Bronx. Because a lot of the time, people are proud to be from Manhattan, and then people don't have pride being from the Bronx. Exactly. Now, in all your years living here, what has been the one misconception you hear the most that is not correct about the Bronx? In my personal experience, the crime. That's what I was going to say was mine. Yeah. Um... The People danger. say, do you feel safe walking in the street at night? The danger. Yeah. yeah. I come home at midnight, one o'clock in the morning sometimes. I'm, I've never had a problem. You're a New right. Yorker, just like everyone else, you know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Of course, there is crime in all parts of New York City. Um, I mean, yeah, I was on the subway the other day, and we had to stop for 45 minutes because someone was running around the tracks. They were high on drugs, and they were running on the tracks. And they stopped, like, you know, train traffic in both directions for almost an hour. Really? Yeah, and you know, it's just that's just part of living in a city with eight million people. There's gonna be crime, there's gonna be drug use and all that stuff. But in terms of feeling safe, I feel very safe in the Bronx, especially where I live, because it's so residential. If I'm coming home at midnight, someone else is too. Yes. You know, our houses here face each other actually on Fox Street. And I know I can look over and see my neighbor in their front yard and just feel safer really than I do in some parts of Manhattan. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I feel the same way. There's going to be crime no matter where you are in the world if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. And it hurts our children when, like, growing up, I went to school in Manhattan and the parents wouldn't let their kids go to play dates at my house. So that hurt me as a kid absolutely. and definitely took out some of that sense of pride I may have been growing for my neighborhood. Because I felt like, oh, this worry live is lesser because yes. of how my parents are. are Absolutely. I had an office job in Manhattan for 10 years and people wouldn't come and visit me. I was so sick one day. I had a panic attack for a community service organization. Right. And the members who lived in Manhattan, none of them came to visit because I was in the Bronx. And I felt that. Thanks. So I want to create an environment. I want I want people to know to stop outside of Manhattan. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's so much going on here. We need to get rid of that negative stereotype. I totally, and that, yeah, you know, uh, one main thing, right? And so mm -hmm. the, the population of Albany is about 92,000 people in an area of about, I think it was 24 square miles. Population here is 1.25 million in a square mileage of 42 uh, in Australia. But um, in any case, the point being is when you have that many people, again, people together that close, like, sorry, it, like stuff might happen. But at the same time, it's really nothing bad that's happening. Exactly. I love it. It's a great area. Mm -hmm. Community super tight. What's the, what's the bakery that you go to all the time? Pastora. Pastora. I was there the other day. 
and it was super tight knit. I kind of walked in there and I was a little, you know, it definitely was a tighter knit feel and they kind of welcomed me with open arms, I guess, if Fantastic. you will. I've already, you know, made friends down there and it's every time I pop in there, they're like, hey, how's it going? Like smiles around. And that's a good point, Christian. Um, tell me about the people of the Bronx. There's such a, an eclectic mix. Yeah. We have people from yeah. everywhere. Mm-hmm. You have, in my building, where I've been living for 11 years now, we have people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So from um, England, from Australia, from China, everywhere. You name it. We have someone from Finland. Walking through the Bronx, and I was asking for directions. I stopped at this auto shop work, and this old man comes out, and we started talking, and I... I thought, he has an accent. It sounds Hebrew. And I said, how long have you been here? He said, I've been here 30 years. Wow. Israel, no way. 30 years. I just bumped into them in the middle of um, Grand Con- near Grand Con- Encourage and acknowledge. That's the Bronx Rocks mission. Yeah. People in the Bronx on a local level. We have to give them the tools to be proud of who they are and where they live. Get those stories recorded and get them out there, you know? So a lot of the people who did the formative work for the Bronx in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, they're getting oldies in their own voice. Mm -hmm. Because it's great to have written books from people in history. Um, It it makes me think of the the slave narrative of of Frederick Douglass. I think that when kids are in school, if in history classes, they would be able to integrate much more kids. Absolutely. absolutely. It's powerful. You know, and it's great too, because that's the way it was. Right from the yes. mouth. I only <laughs> live by the B. Born in Bondi and now the Bronx. That is my heritage. Bondi. What? My whole, all my ancestors Me. were born in Baghdad. That was Jewish. Yep. So, yeah, so what's your, then what is your heritage? What's your Baghdad? <laughs> Bombay. Your family. So Bondi. My name is Michelle Daniels. I was born in Bondi, <laughs> Australia. My ancestors are from a very strong, large Jewish community, Bombay, in Bombay at the time, which was under British rule. Right. Okay. Wow. And so a large part of the Jewish community from, ba- from Baghdad moved to <laughs> Bombay. Bombay. We're with you. We're with right. you. They moved, so, they moved from Iraq to India. To India. Still eyes. I, I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah. then as the British were leaving... And, they were and there were split. social changes in India. Exactly. And they were going to split Pakistan to, uh, and, and India, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my parents, who had just gotten married and had their first child, knew that they had to find a, more opportunities for their family right. than living in India. So my dad took a boat to Australia because <laughs> he had a friend living there. And what year was this? This was 1962. Wow. Took him six weeks or so. Had about $100 in his pocket. Dad is the youngest of six boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His mother died when he was three years old. Wow. So he basically grew up by himself on the streets. His dad was always off somewhere. Um, wow. He lived in a one-room ha- apartment. With, the, with his with, five brothers. In and, India. In India. And you want to talk poverty, you go to India. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My dad... Brought himself up on the streets of India. He remembers going to sleep at night when he was six years old, crying, saying, Mom, why did you have to die? I'm hungry. He would take a pot from her, from house to house asking to get for scrap. soup. Yeah, for soup. Yeah. But you know what? My dad 
since I can remember, has never complained or blamed a day in his life. He has the most positive outlook on life. No matter where he's come from or how little he's had, he has picked himself up and moved on. And that's what he did. When he got married, he knew that he would have to create a better life for his family. So he took a boat to, to Australia. Australia. So he was living New York City life way before he was ever living New York City life. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. Just saying, you know, not harping on what they're going through. I feel like New Yorkers are, are, are I don't want to say like tougher. Oh, oh. wow. Now the audio is going to be so much sharper. And Your dad, dad ends up, up in taking Australia. a boat to Australia through some friends that helped him get work and um, the government helped him found, find housing. He sent for my mother and my older sister, who was one at the time, mm -hmm. to take a boat to come and join him. And that's when my parents left India and made a life for themselves in Bondi. Wow. And then everybody learned how to surf. Can <laughs> <laughs> we talk about surfing life. already? <laughs> what a different life. I mm -hmm. mean, you go from India, from the streets of poverty yeah. to a country like Australia. And I think, you know, that comes to another point too about um, immigration or migration, the movement of people. And people really see, like, you know, especially with the anti-immigrant rhetoric that's going on right now, they see it as, oh, this person is making um, a selfish decision and leaving their country and coming to ours to take things from us. And it's like, you don't understand for what some people are going through oh, in the country they're in. You know, you don't know what, what life they've gone through to that major decision it's they think it's so easy for them to just because they're they're in abject poverty like Correct. you said in india mm -hmm. there was nothing there for him yes but to go from door to door listen we're all transient in this world oh, yeah. when exactly. someone says i am the bronx or i am manhattan no you're not everyone's constantly in motion constantly moving back in the 30s jews made up 49 percent of the bronx italians irishmen you know, now it's Dominican, Puerto Rican, African American, exactly. but it's constantly changing. So when someone says to me that I represent, I am what the Bronx is, no, you're not. It's a whole concoction of different people from all over the place. And when you're not here, here, someone else is going to take us. Absolutely. Maybe on the flip side, maybe they are, but also so are you and you and you. And yes. You and we you are all people. the Bronx. Exactly. Yeah, we all move around and we all, you know, are part of the fabric that makes up the borough. Correct. And you know, that's so we haven't done a gentrification episode yet because I'm kind of trying to formulate what my own opinion is on it. And it's I think tricky. it's tricky because sometimes people overuse it. Yes. So, you know, is it is it gentrification if I, you know, an Afro Latina from the South Bronx move back home to the South Bronx and bring my white fiance from Maryland? Is it then gentrification because he's white and we're, you know, absolutely not. And it's we're life in the south bronx you know <laughs> no. exactly yeah. um freshly made sobro we were talking about that they were accused of gentrifying because they opened a smoothie shop on 138th and lincoln but the owner is afro-latina and she's from the south bronx listen america is the land of opportunity correct yeah everybody wants opportunity mm -hmm. and they will go and live and move towards where they find a better life for themselves there's nothing wrong with that absolutely, absolutely. the people complaining are the ones that what are they contributing Oh, yeah, no? exactly. Well, it's kind of funny coming from upstate New York, too. Everybody is super, I guess, it's a lot more conservative. 
than it is here. A lot more. You know, when yeah. you go up past Westchester, you get to the Catskills and go farther from there, like Adirondacks, my area, totally red area. Um, you know, but anyway, so kind of in line with that, a lot of people, again, think, hey, you know, you're stealing my job. You're doing this. Nobody's coming here. Or the whole other flip side of the coin is the bad apples. You know, there are people from um, these immigrants are going to come and create crime. Absolutely not. Nobody's coming out of their way, too, to just say, <laughs> I am screwing you over, and I'm going to screw you over, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take everything that you have. No, absolutely not. Like you said, better life. There and shouldn't look, be anything wrong with that. And no. to those commentators who were uh, Marielis and Angie from Freshly Made Sobro, like, first of all, why are you trying to tear down two women of color that are opening up their own small business? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a problem for me. It's jealousy. It's jealousy. Right. And second yeah. of all, that's two more negative comments on Google that then everyone who's going to go visit is going to see. And they're going to be like, oh, I don't want to go to the Bronx. Look at all the infighting. Look at all the bickering. Right. You're making you're making us look bad. <laughs> see, look, the, the Bronx Rock <laughs> is determined to keep negativity out of yes. our organization. Just yes. give me the positive. Highlight the positive. What what good things are people doing in the borough? Exactly. Forget the infighting, the bickering of they're not from And here, it's not to say that you can't talk about problems. problems. You know, we're going to do some serious episodes on NYCHA. We're going to mm. do episodes on, on, on corruption in the NYPD. There are problems in the Bronx. Issues. You issues. can talk about issues. Yeah. But once you start picking and fighting with other Bronx creators, other Bronx bloggers, it's just like... Stupid. Yeah, it's it's dumb. Mm-hmm. But you it's see it trivial. in any yeah, you see it in any organis- you, organization. Exactly, that's the way of the world. You know, there's jealousy and infighting, and but you got to look at the bigger picture. What's the mission of the movement to uplift people of the Bronx? To make things exactly. better. It's simple. Absolutely, yeah. Bronx Rocks wants to create a better image, let people be proud of where they're living, mm-hmm. and um, create a platform for community engagement. So let's talk about your foundation. Maybe Christian can lead this question. Possibly. so the bronx rocks foundation empower encourage acknowledge how have you gone about and going you know how have you really empowered first and how have you which one i guess would you say comes first out of those three i think they're all as important as one another Mm -hmm. if you they all work side by side with each other for example empowering if you look at empower we had when we launched last july we had several communities. You've only been around for a year? For less than a year? Correct. What? Yes. Good for you. <laughs> now I'm extra mad about how much merch you have and everything so put together. I'm super jealous. It's, it's a lot of very hard work. Yeah, you know? no. I'll push it down that's hill, incredible. Very hard work. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, right. it's a testament how much recognition you've gotten and positive feedback. Thank you. Um, to the fact of how much work you've put in. And how receptive this message is yes. and how needed it is. Well, it started before I actually created the Bronx Rocks because I was pr- board, uh, president of my board for two years of the co-op. And I was very active in making things better for our neighborhood. I created a wonderful relationship with our local precinct mm-hmm. and we worked hand in hand to cleaning up the neighborhood. So before the Bronx Rocks was launched, I was doing pain overs. So when I created the Bronx Rocks, one of the programs was to do a community community day paint over to help get rid of not the creative graffiti, graffiti but the unsightly graffiti that people tag buildings illegally right. yeah okay so to imp- if we go back to empower yeah sorry right. to interrupt. We, no 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 this to is empower a, is awesome. to for each community day paint over that we did we got more and more people 
And that gave them a sense of empowerment, that they were making a difference. Mm -hmm. From kids to adults, they felt good about themselves. We have the ability to make a difference. So give them the tools, empower them, give them and a what, voice. And what is the cost of a paint-over? That is a very good question. No, uh, just, I mean, really, like, like monetarily wise. That's a good question. It's, I'm sure it's expensive, but I haven't got a budget because I have just started my fundraising drive um, recently. Mm -hmm. um, I get things donated. Home Depot provided the paints. Cool. Bronx Terminal Market provided the refreshments and the pizza lunch. And see, so at a cost of nothing to you. Yes. You except were, for time. Except and for, well, of course, yeah. We're not emotional labor. <laughs> Women do so much emotional labor that to like, you know, you know, at no financial cost to you other than the time and resources, you were able to show all these people that we can, we can shape. Yeah, we can literally paint our community and make our make Correct. a difference. And and one of the other ish, um, initiatives I did was there was this huge sinkhole on the street. Which one? <laughs> on Walton Avenue. Walton right opposite the Bronx Supreme Courthouse. <laughs> Walton and 161. 161. I know. <laughs> Outside the abandoned synagogue. Okay. I used to skateboard that single. Like over Near it? the court deli. Near yes. the court deli. Yeah. But there, yeah. Were, there was two and three of them. Yeah, yeah. Mountain. We used to skateboard and we used to do tricks like over them or around them. Right. <laughs> so empower, as again, going on the lines of empower, if you see something, say something. Don't just say, that's the way it's always been, that's the way it is. No, you can make a difference. So mm. I, I reached out 311, I made complaints, I, made, I didn't hear anything back. So I got in touch with Bronx News 12. They came, we did a story. I was on the news. The next day, Department of Transportation called me. <laughs> could you could Wild. you not, please? We'll, we'll fix the hole. They said, we will take care of it. Within, we'll fix the hole. Within the next few weeks, it was filled. <laughs> Just get off the news, lady. Right, so people, we need to empower every individual Bronxite. Let them know they have a voice. Use it. They can make a difference. That's awesome, too. Like now in our day and age right now, I feel like the power of the individual is kind of, not necessarily gone away because it's still there, but I feel like people, they're, they don't realize that it can kind of be utilized. Exactly. And it's awesome and to see that you're doing numbers. that. Yeah, totally. Yes. You know, one person sparks an idea and there you go. Next thing it is, you got potholes being filled. You got potholes <laughs> being filled. And I do right? believe that people want to help, want to volunteer. People do want to help. Absolutely. Want to make their community a nicer place to live. Yes. Yeah. You but should, they you... don't know how. And I think that what you're, the foundation work you're doing is really um, giving them that, that how. Thank you. Yes. Mm. So acknowledge. Last year, I thought, why don't we honor the only female inspector commanding officer of a Bronx precinct. Uh, honor her at a tribute dinner. Okay, like look, that. women make up less than 17.17% of the NYPD. Yeah. Of that, oh, yeah. only 1%. Women of color. Women of color? Well, women in general. Yeah. Okay, I can imagine women of color. Yeah. But less than 1% of that 17% make it to captain or higher. Right. Yep. Inspector Martine Matarasso of the 44th Precinct is in that 1%. She is a commanding officer of the 44th Precinct in the Bronx. Why not acknowledge her? Why not honor her? And put a spotlight and say, look, NYPD, you that 1% has to change. Exactly. Because if you, cool. whenever you see de Blasio and they have the NYPD sitting together, it's just the front rows, it's just a sea of white men. And that's 
It's, it's I mean, criminal criminal justice. It's almost 80% male. Yeah. This is really cool, though. So it's kind of nice how that three-word, I guess, quarter, like sort of mission statement Empower, encourage, is bringing acknowledge. itself back into it. So now you've acknowledged somebody, now you're empowering other people because they're seeing this woman in the spotlight. And exactly. then you can kind of perpetuate it exactly. from there. Exactly. It's really all tied cool. in with each other. Mm-hmm. Kids, last week we did... And how we, how did it go, though? How did the dinner the go? dinner? <laughs> It exceeded <laughs> my wildest expectations. Okay, firstly... Pretty profound statement. <laughs> the the, the um, work behind it was stressful. There was a lot of work behind it. I had um, the support of Janet Jimenez from Bronx Terminal Market, who partnered with the Bronx Rocks. Um, they, the Bronx Terminal Market and Related have been great supporters in helping improve the neighbourhood. Um, so they partnered with me for this dinner, tribute dinner. Mm-hmm. Before I knew it, the police commissioner, the honorary James P. O'Neill, <laughs> wanted to attend. They were like, like, we're oh, going to have to upgrade the linen. I'm like, oh, God, this was just supposed to be a community dinner honoring we were, her. We were going to get plastic plates <laughs> and buffet catering. <laughs> then I hear 20 chiefs of the NYPD are attending. <gasps> Good for you. From a little community, yay, you're doing a good job, from people from the neighborhood turned into a, a, an amazing dinner with the police commissioner of New York, with all the top NYPD chiefs. And expanded the Sweet. impact that she, as, as a woman a in the NYPD, you know, it's not just the people in her precinct seeing her in a position of power. Now everyone's seeing her in a position of power, and you basically expanded her impact Exactly. And as a woman, and that's powerful. I had Councilwoman Vanessa Gibson. I invited her and she spoke for a few minutes. Who's another strong woman of color in power. She's now in the city council. Yes. Another initiative we did was when the Puerto Rican hurricane happened. Um, Rugs Borough president was extremely active in getting some my mom um hosted the one in southern boulevard that ended up taking two days yes. instead of a few That's hours where we we with in conjunction with the church what the bronx rocks did was we partnered with bronx terminal market again we set up three locations in our area of the bronx for people to donate supplies mm-hmm. and we ended up taking truckloads of supplies so my mom thought this was be my mom thought this would be a few hours on a saturday just a no. few volunteers and donations mm-hmm. one national guard call later oh. no, seriously. that's exactly what it was like we yeah. we had literal tons yeah of donations. My mom could not handle the amount well, that was... I, I mean, you know, and every politician showed up, and the media showed up, and... Vo- Traffic was went on for miles. We had to get a police escort with our truck to get to the front of the line. Wow. It's called a good problem. Yes, this, is, good. this is called yeah. a good problem. We're not complaining right. about the amount of donations. It was... My mom actually told me she cried. Oh. She cried when she it saw the National Guard coming, and they had put the flag on the front of the, some of the, of the truck. I have some of the the coolest amazing event and who 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 brought the salt did you plan the salsa band or did they just show up <laughs> a salsa band showed up and played and all the old ladies and the old men were dancing in the streets it and amazing. it was Wild. really touching yeah that's cool so thank you for yes your, that was your effort in that i couldn't amazing. It was touching. i couldn't watch a lot of the puerto rico coverage just because i grew up there pretty much yeah and it's you know 
my aunt still has a house there, family still has a house there, and it's very hard for me to see. The, the hurricane, the response to the hurricane and to the earthquake in Mexico really highlighted the sense of community in the Bronx. Yes. The mm -hmm. number of or organizations, politicians, people, everyone just set, stepped right up and said, I'm here, I'm here That's to it. help, yep. what do you need? Yeah. Without a question. And even though, you know, the Bronx has, a, you know, in some areas of the Bronx, we have a lower average income than other areas. People gave. Yeah. But it goes people back gave. to what you were saying about the people of this area. They're fantastic. Yeah. And they're always willing to, you know, help out the neighborhood. They'll rally, they'll get together, and they'll help. In times of need, that's when it counts. Next week, next month, mm -hmm. I'm doing... The Bronx Rocks is doing free haircuts for the Bronx. Yes, you were saying that. And these celebrity stylists who went to Puerto Rico are coming to the Bronx to give free haircuts to those in need. Community um, engagement. The Bronx Rocks wants to reach out to all organizations, businesses and individuals. Fair okay, so right. get this. When I started the Bronx Rocks, not the foundation, it was a business idea. Yeah. And then with proceeds, I would give back. Well, this that's was what you, a plan the whole Tom's B. thing, right? You were saying right. that was like your quote unquote model. Right. This yeah. was my model <sighs> to start a business as a plan B for my life. Mm -hmm. And then with proceeds, I would give a charity. Mm -hmm. Charity would I give? <laughs> Why don't I do something that'll. Because yeah. I love organizing and getting people together. Yeah. Exactly. So, mm -hmm. so I reached out to big insurance companies, like legitimate insurance companies, to insure my business. Small business insurance, they wouldn't do it. Why? Because I do community service. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's okay to insure your business if you're selling apparel okay if you're yeah. a store online store that's easy but once you interact with the community and have people coming and kids and painting and there's a lot of liability right so <laughs> what I did was I, I started the LLC originally yeah. as a business mm -hmm. and only in December I filed for a nonprofit to have a, a separate entity a foundation yep. mm -hmm. That I just got. I just got insurance for yesterday. Cool. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. Legal. Yeah. Right. Nonsense. But no one would insure my business as I originally created it. This is an apparel because I was doing the community service as well. Do good for the community. Cause yeah. No, because it doesn't make anyone money, no. and that's not what they're interested in. That's right. what insurance. Yeah, it's kind of. May tenth to the twentieth is Bronx Week. We're yes. doing our the Bronx Rocks Paint the Wall Initiative. Paint I'm gonna have wall. to have you on in May again. We could talk about broken windows theory. Yeah, all that stuff. I have the broken windows at the synagogue fixed this week. That's a beautiful synagogue on Walton. Walton. Yeah. So, so that's another thing. I've never been in there. Is it open? No, it's closed. And we've, we've been in touch with the, the treasurer Howard Jaffe. Our con we I'm trying to bring the congregation back. Well, I did South mm -hmm. Bronx Chabad is now officially a 501c3 organization and oh. have opened up in the South Bronx. What aren't you doing? That's a good question. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> my mom's You're like, just doing it for everybody else. Like, that's Desiree, all. Desiree, <laughs> stop trying to save the world. There's no and money in that. And, <laughs> and I'm like, mom, you ran a food pantry and were basically yourself making peanuts. You know, oh, while I was growing day, up, like, I swear, like, all the, all the like she <laughs> had me doing child labor in the nonprofit since childhood, you know, like hauling the bags of food That's from the so food funny. pantry. I loved when I was a kid, I used to fill the bags in the food pantry and I had a sheet and the sheet said one applesauce, one oh. 10 pound bag of rice. And I was like, yeah, one applesauce. Yeah. One yeah. Bag of rice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she definitely like didn't hire an extra person because I was there after school, so. Wow. So the aim was to get that abandoned synagogue reopened. Yes. So we got the contact name of the 
only living trustee of the yeah. synagogue, Howard Jaffe, and we reached out to him through, I have a friend who's in real estate development, and he, the guy said, well, I'm not selling, I'm not interested, leave me alone. But I wanted a Jewish presence again. I wanted a congregation. I wanted to open up the synagogue. You right. wanted to worship. Your, that's right. your that's cultural heritage. That's your faith, your religion. So, that's your right. Right. So my friend reached out to Chabad and made the connection. with, mm -hmm. And they came, we met. We went around the neighborhood. We found so many people who would be willing to attend to services. Cool. And we held a couple of services in my building just to get and get, you know, try and gauge the... Again, pushing the snowball down the hill. Experience. So basically what you're saying yeah. is what you love about the Bronx, you love about your pre-marriage counseling. <laughs> I love my church. I love my religious community. I, you know, I'm a Christian, but obviously I support all religions, all faiths, and I think that Everyone should have the right, if they so choose, to be part of a loving, caring, religious community. Mm -hmm. That's why, like, what you're doing with the synagogue, like, touches me so personally. Because, like, you know, we don't have a synagogue in that part of the Bronx. And we do in other parts of the Bronx. And if there's people there that want to practice and share and... Mm -hmm. And also the the social impact. I know that the synagogue is going to be doing, especially if you're running it, you're going to be doing community I'm not running events. the synagogue. I'm just helping. <laughs> no, I'm saying. No, you're, I'm well, in fact, I Michelle, think tonight's Michelle. women's circle tonight. Exactly. Michelle, tell me that if you are a member of that church, you're not going to be pretty much like. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, we've already, organized. Held, we've already had meetings in my apartment and my, in my building. But my point was religious institutions are part of our fabric in the Bronx. Yes. And they do, most of them, if not all of them, do mm -hmm. community work. Yeah. So I know that that yes. synagogue, as it grows and expands, is going to be doing yes. volunteer work and battering the community around it. Absolutely. So paint the mural. Paint the wall. Paint mural the design. wall. So five artists. And this is the first of the series. We're making a whole series if it's successful. And I'm going to do a GoFundMe campaign. In all that free time you I have. I need to fund it. In all that free time you yeah. have, you're going to yeah, do an literally. entire yeah, series. Yeah, and all the money that I'm getting. <laughs> That's why I have to start a GoFundMe campaign and start the fundraising. I need someone to do the fundraising part of it. What money? Get funds Ooh. to get make these things happen. Why I want I want Bronx Rocks to be global. I want people to be familiar with that logo and and let it inspire people in the Bronx. Like Bronxrocks.com. Everything.